Humanity was created to worship and glorify God both cooperatively and privately. Family worship is both a command and a gift. But what is family worship? Welcome to Talk Truth, the McGregor podcast, where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you can submit your questions on our website. I'm your host, Chloe Weimer. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. joined by Ryan Flint, worship minister at McGregor Baptist Church here in Fort Myers, Florida. Today's conversation is part one of a two-part episode where we will be answering the question, what is family worship? Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Chloe. I'm very excited to be the inaugural guest on Talk Truth. Um, I am. I'm excited that that it's you, that you're that you're the one that's sitting across this long table from me. I'm excited to be here. This is this is about six feet, would you say? Probably, probably so. You know, 2021. So I'm really happy to have Ryan um, because I've developed quite the friendship with him. Um, I, I lead worship here at McGregor. And through our um, leading worship, we've had a couple conversations. We both are big fans of food, uh, particularly yes. of the Wendy's Descent. And Wendy's. Wendy's. So tell me about your favorite m- menu item. All right. Well, right right now, my favorite menu item at Wendy's, my favorite meal is number six, spicy chicken sandwich, no tomatoes, medium size with a Coke Zero. Got to save on the calories. Mm, come on. Then uh, you got to finish it off with a chocolate frosty. Not a vanilla frosty. I don't know why they made that. A, cho- a frosty is a chocolate frosty. And uh, so that's my go-to every time I'm at Wendy's. Wait, before we continue, do you dip your fries in said Frosty? I love the Lord. So yes, I, um, I, 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 I dunk my fries in the Frosty. Well, I'm glad that this episode is not going to contain any heresy and that we're on the same page we're so here, far. We're here to talk truth. Mm, this is right. Um, I am also a Frosty lover, but I will tell you that my Wendy's order is a baked potato and a chili. So a little bit, little, little bit healthier. I mean, I guess you could say. As far I mean, as Wendy's is concerned. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get my sour cream, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm unashamed of that. I will hit up a four for four every once in a while, but, yes. you know, my, my family does love Wendy's. Um, and with family worship, we're going to break down some terms. Uh, but before we dive into the word, before we break down these terms and talk about this question, what is family worship? Um, I'm going to open up in a short prayer and just invite God to be a part of this conversation. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about worship. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about family worship. And thank you that you have revealed yourself in the word. Thank you for truth. And I just ask that you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So let's talk about what worship is when we're breaking down the question. We need to have some building blocks here. You go ahead and take yeah. the lead. Yeah, I think it's really important, Chloe, for us to define terms. If we're talking about family worship, it's obviously two, two words there, family and worship. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I think we need to talk about is worship. You know, what is biblical worship? 
Um, free to walk out into our church on Sunday morning and ask people, hey, what is worship to you? We get all kinds of, of answers. Um, people talk about singing, praying, it's coming to church, it's being in a, a church service, uh, it's reading my Bible. And really, it's, it's all of those things. Uh, but it's not any one single thing. Worship, yeah. worship is far beyond what we picture in our culture uh, of corporate worship. And it's also important for us to remember that uh, everyone worships. Uh, it's not so much a question of of how or when, but it's who. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all going to worship something. Even lost people worship something. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Paul David Tripp. You're probably going to hear me say his name multiple times in today's episode. Um, but I, I love what he says in one of his books. Uh, Worship is not primarily your activity. Mm-hmm. Worship is first your identity as a human being. Uh, so for us, it's important to realize that Scripture makes it pretty clear that we exist to bring glory to God. Uh, worship is to ascribe worth to God. Um, it's my response to who He is. John Stott says that worship is a response to the Word of God. So as Scripture tells us, and we see in creation around us, who God is and who He has revealed Himself to be, uh, that's what we are called to do, is to bring glory to God. Uh, Luke ten twenty seven says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In essence, I believe that is the most real definition of worship. That's what worship is. Yeah. It's love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because we exist to bring glory to God. So that's worship. Yeah. God reveals himself in two different ways. The theological terms are the general general revelation and special revelation. Right. And the fact that everybody is going to be worshiping something, no matter yep. if it's a football team or if it's um, putting your worship to an actual false God or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it points to that general revelation of their being. God has revealed himself in creation. There's a desire in all of us to worship something. I kind of picture like a a puzzle piece, you know, and you're going to try to put that puzzle piece somewhere, you know, it has, if you don't have the right piece and it's not going to work, you know, but it, it's supposed to go in one place and we're supposed to be giving it to him, our actual creator. So let's talk about defining family. Now I did ask some listeners what their definition of family is. So I'm going to read off some of these answers and you're going to notice that some of them, well, they're all pretty different. And that's because we have different ideas, different opinions. Yes. Imagine that people opinions. So One person said a system of support, love, and accountability. Another said people who you can trust to be there and be present in your life, whether you appreciate them or not. This person said people I am related to by blood, marriage, or adoption, my friends are not my family. And then this last one says your people, anyone God brings into your life who is a deep blood relation or not. But when talking about this sense of family in terms of marriage and children, how do you think that we should define it? Yeah, those are all great, great answers. Definitely diverse, as you said, yeah. but all, all strong answers. Uh, you know, family is, is more than a group of people living under the same roof. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than just parents and kids, but there is a biblical design for family. Um, in its most basic sense, uh, it's ordained by God, constituted by marriage. Uh, you know, Genesis 2, a man leaves his father and mother, bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. That is God's design for 
marriage. Um, Joshua 24, 15, uh, in the days of Joshua, Jacob, Moses, and Abraham, corporate worship didn't really happen. Uh, and congregational worship was something you had to take a days and days trip to get to the tabernacle that some Israelites mm-hmm. were, were able to do. So family worship was a huge component of Joshua's charge to serve the Lord with his family. Uh, and in essence, that's what a family is. It's, it's a group of people as ordained by God, defined by a father and a mother and their kids mm-hmm. that exist together like they exist separately to give glory to God. They exist together as a family to give glory to God together. Yeah, and I think a huge part of the this conversation and biblically, it's a father and a mother. Uh, it's a man and right. a woman. And God has made that very clear in scripture. But to keep things short with the definition of what family worship is, just for the sake of this conversation, let's just say cultivating devotion to God inside of your home, cultivating devotion to God inside of your home. And a lot of people will have different definitions of that again, uh, but through both of our research, that's just kind of what we've come up with. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You know, God God deserves to be worshipped um, in, in, in our homes. Mm-hmm. In my home with my family, uh, God demands His His praise. And in, in essence, Chloe, family worship or worship in itself is to obey the greatest commandment. You know, we're we're told to have no other gods. That's what that's what the Lord says to us: have no other gods before Me. So uh, that's in essence what we're, we're we're called to do. Scripture tells us in Isaiah forty three seven that we exist to bring glory to God. My family has been put together, husband and wife and kids, to bring glory to God. So. That's what my family is supposed to be doing. Yeah, they are. And the church plays a role in encouraging your family to do that too. Um, But the church is also not solely responsible for discipling children. I think we've seen a decline in Christian families and their worship of God inside of the home because there's been so much dependency on the church to do it for them. Like, oh, let's just drive to church. Kids go to their class, we go to our class, and it's kind of this, it becomes a separate worship. It's more private. And then there is is difference in what they're they're learning, what they're talking about in the home. Everybody goes back home and they go to their sports and everybody goes to work and goes their separate ways. And so we need to be of one mind in the home and in the church. And it's the father's job to do that. But... Why do we go to church? The church is there to encourage you in your faith sure. to continue that in your home. And the church leaders should be exhorting fathers to be those spiritual leaders and creating this intentional time inside of the home. And we need godly elders that are pouring into men, equipping them and encouraging them to be the leaders. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as you said, I think I was reading this week, there's what, 165, 168 hours in a week, something like that. And your, your kids on average are going to spend two to three hours a week in church. Hmm. So there's 160 something hours in a week. I'm really bad at math. 525,600 minutes. All right. So two to three hours per week in church. Uh And so me as as a dad, am I supposed to say, well, it's it's just the church's job. They they got it handled. Really? Two to three hours a week. And I expect the church to be fully responsible to disciple, equip, and teach my kids. 
That's not that's not reality. But as you said, the church does play a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the elders, the pastors, the ministers, the leaders modeling worship, modeling uh, how we are to con- to conduct ourselves as believers. It's life group leaders, small group leaders, uh, student leaders modeling in their own lives uh, for for folks in our church to to see, uh, and then modeling their own private and personal worship. You know, as we gather on on Sundays, uh, we're we're hopefully seeing the fruit of our pastors and elders leadership in, in their lives privately and yeah. their personal devotion, we're seeing the overflow of that mm-hmm. when we gather together as the body on, on Sunday. So discipleship does happen on campus. Yeah. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have small groups and Wednesday night classes and women's ministries, and men's ministry, and all those great, great things that we have. Uh, but that's, that's not where it ends. Yeah. Uh, the church is the springboard. Uh, as they equip fathers and equip families, but it's up to us to take it from there and really get down deep as we disciple our families. Yeah, that actually reminds me of, you You told me this a couple months ago. Uh, you said, I got here at, I think it was like 5.30 or something crazy. I think we have to be there at seven to, right. to lead. And you were like, yeah, just walk around and pray and do my thing. And I was I thought to myself that that's really admirable because what you do on stage is just like you said, an overflow sure. of what's going on inside of, of your heart with God. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's important to, to be prepared to do what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we're looking at some examples, Chloe. You talked about things that we see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's a great place to start for looking at examples of, of family worship uh, and the role of the church and the family. Um, you're going to talk later, I think, about Abraham and Genesis 18 and 22. Um, but we, we look at Moses in Deuteronomy 6. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this in verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words as I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Obviously, there's so much going on in that package. We, we could spend a, a podcast talking about Deuteronomy 6. Yeah. But for our purposes, this is really one of the clearest depictions of family worship in the Old Testament. Plainly put, parents are to teach their kids about the things of God at every single opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, this is done consistently. And with, with all your kids there, uh, we see just quickly, we see in Joshua 24, 15 and Psalm 78, uh, teaching the praises of the Lord, Paul in Ephesians, Peter in first Peter. And we'll talk more about the practical side of worship and family worship, but it's important just to, as we talk further about this, uh, this episode, the church has a role, but the fathers and the families have a bigger one. Yeah. And that's so important in our culture today. There's been such a uh, a depreciation of the value of there being a separation of roles. Absolutely. There's, there is an attack on the modern family mm-hmm. and that's, that's the enemy Yeah, because the enemy doesn't want God to be worshiped. As long as we're not worshiping God, then he's, he's, he's content with it. Yeah. He wants something else himself to get the glory. So, and a part of worshiping God is loving his law and mm-hmm. loving his ways. Yep. And the more that I, ask God to make his, to make my heart reflect, um, what his, what his word says, the more I love his law, but God makes it so clear in Psalm one, even just talking about how we should love his law and love, love the word, you know, and he, he makes what the family should look like clear as day. And it's a lot of people today say, yeah, I love Jesus or yeah, I love the love God. 
but their life doesn't reflect what his law looks like. So right. if there is love there, shouldn't the action be, it's, uh, that's James, James two, what we talked about two weeks ago at church. Yep. We should be seeing the fruit. Yep. Exactly. Um, so some of those verses that even back that up are Ephesians five, 25 through 26 husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, so the, a part of the wife's role too, is to, uh, to encourage her husband to be in that role. Um, and if he, I speaking bluntly from a woman's side of you, I know a lot of women who are desiring to see their husbands step inside of step into that role in a bigger way. Um, and the, it's, it's not something that they're intimidated by, but they really genuinely are just desiring it. I think that God made women to, to want to be led in that way. Um, but on that verse, love your wives as Christ loved the church, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Something I teach Bible here at Southwest Florida Christian Academy. Go Kings. Yeah. Go Kings. We we're both, we we're both alum. Nye alum. Oh, six. <laughs> 15. Let's go. Whoop, whoop. Um, so something that I talk about uh, when we talk about gender is a whirlpool and how, if, if you, have you ever made a whirlpool in an above ground pool? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where everybody walks in the same direction. Yep. Okay. So if everybody's doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing, they're going to be going with the current, right? Sure. And you're not going to feel that tension in the relationship. And it's the same thing, um, mm -hmm. in terms of the roles in marriage and, and how God has ordained it, right? If the man is loving his wife, the way that Christ loves the church, and if the wife is submitting to her husband in that leadership role, the way that the church should be submitting to Christ, right. then everybody, then we're going to be going with the current and you're not going to feel that tension. And, and when we That's talk about, picture. when we talk about uh, family worship, um, we can, we can see how God has ordained those roles to be lived out. And if the woman is submitting to that, then she, you, you'll even see um, the flow, like even in the relationship. I've noticed that when I've been in one mind with the people in my home, that our relationship is better. And I, you, and your, your, you and your family probably could say the same. If you realize sure. that you're on the same team, you know, then that... Absolutely that current isn't going to be fought against. You're going to be walking in it as God ordained. Sure. I mean, as you said, scripture has clearly defined roles. So it's our, it's our job to fall subservient to them Yeah. and to, to follow those roles. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. I was at my first church uh, years ago, probably 2012. I was in a marriage counseling session. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, newly married myself, the young couple about to get married. We're in our second session, and we're talking about the passage Colossians three eighteen. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Yeah. And I, I'm going through this, and the wife kind of stops and goes, "I'm, I'm not sure if, if if I like that." And I, I'm, you know, I'm looking around, I'm going, "Well, it's tough, but <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is what God. This is this isn't right. This is what God tells you is the role of yeah. the wife." But that's, you know, we look back at that now. We think we look at, at our, our our culture today. That is countercultural. Mm -hmm. The word submit is a ugly word. Um, and fathers are often intimidating. It can be intimidating to think about it's my job, as scripture tells me, to lead my family spiritually, to love my wife as Christ loves the church. That's a 
That's a big statement. It is, That's yeah. a big thing to read. It jumps off the page in Ephesians. And it can be a very humbling reality, but that doesn't mean we should, we should shy away from it. It just means that we're, we're bringing the Word of God into our homes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it starts. I think that's why some men struggle to kind of really dive into that. So I've, been, I've had moments in my, in, in my marriage of almost 10 years. Uh, it's just sometimes you don't know where to start, but start simply with opening up the Word yeah. of God in your home. Yeah. It's, as, it's as simple as that. If you have a Bible, you can do family worship. Exactly. Um, but there are, I mean, that's, that is the traditional family that we're talking about. And then if we were to talk about someone like me, young, single twenties, um, not every family looks the same, sure. you know, and there are single mothers, there are single fathers. How, what do, what do all these roles look like? And so I was encouraged when I was reading through Timothy, second Timothy, I'm sorry. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Now we don't know what Timothy's relationship with his father was like, but we do know that his mother still obeyed God's law and raised her child to love the Lord. And that's, that's all we need to know. Like everybody can do this. That's uh, not that that's not rocket science. No, it's not. All right. So let's talk about the practicality of of family worship. And I want you to take the lead on this. Okay. Yeah, I um is a great resource I, I, I've read is Donald Whitney's book uh, called Family Worship, very simply named mm-hmm. and very appropriate for our podcast here uh, <laughs> today. Uh and he, he puts it pretty practically like like this. The the recipe is read, pray, and sing. Short and sweet, Mm -hmm. three words. I love it. I I love the simplicity. Uh, There's a guy named Jerry Marcelino in his booklet that he references. uh, Recovering the lost treasure of family worship uses three S's as his reminder. Scripture, supplication, and song. I love alliteration. Don't you? Mm. And we have a, I think there's a guy named Pastor Russell around here that also loves that, doesn't he? He does. He's, he's, he's got a gift. Uh, uh, you know, and you, you had talked about, you know, that you don't have to be, you don't have to be John Piper. Yeah. You don't have to be Russell Howard. No. Uh, if you can, uh, open the Bible and read it with your family, that's, that's where it starts. And you know, with, with, with younger kids, it's going to have to be short, have to focus on more narratives, you know, Bible stories when it keeps kids captivated and keeps their attention. Uh, we use the Children's Storybook Bible has a great app. Uh, my wife has a, a touchscreen laptop. Kids are able to hear the story read, read along, and you can touch the characters and they make noises oh, and move. So cool. And the you know the dove flies away in the story of Noah to go see if there's he can find a branch. You know, those different <laughs> things, and it's it's kind of silly in its function, but it's the, my my kids. My my daughter's six. Her name is Collins. My four year old son is his name is Madden. And even at their age, they can retain and take in a lot because they can see it, they can read it, they can hear it. The pictures bring it bring it to life and something as simple as that keeps them engaged yeah. in 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 knowing i think for 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 dads it's simple you, know, you open that bible and you be enthusiastic about it if i'm excited to read the bible if my wife and i if katie and i are excited to read the bible together the kids are going to be excited to read the bible uh, they got to the point now where they they get excited at nighttime to go get the laptop and do that night's Bible story. I've even called our kids spending their free time, which they get very little time on their tablets, but they do. Uh, and they spend their time on the Bible app, yeah. uh, on their app uh, during the day, just reading the Word of God. So reading the Bible, obviously number one. Uh, then praying, praying together. I think there's two sides to that. Uh, one, it's, it's praying with your family. 
it's it's dads leading in prayer, uh, you know, dad and mom praying at breakfast before you when you're up and getting ready for school, uh, praying when you have a big test coming up, praying for what's coming that day. Yeah. Uh, when you get home and you're at the dinner table and you're kind of recapping and hey guys, what what happened today at school or at work, whatever it may be, and you spend time in prayer, thanking God for what happened, praying for what made you anxious or nervous. Mm-hmm. And then the the flip side of that, the part part two is modeling prayer for your kids. Um, I have vivid memories of my father uh, being at the breakfast table praying. I would come out getting ready for school. I'd come out with this little pocket door. I'd slide it open. The table was right there. And there he, he would be, his eyes closed, hands folded, just hand, head over the Bible praying. Hmm. That means so much to me. And I think how, my, how that it is ingrained in my mind. And I want our kids to have the same memories of Katie and I and the same mental image of us being on top, literally physically, word of God at our hands, at our fingertips, praying as we read the Bible. I think there's a great picture for that, to, to see that and for our kids to see that. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then it's also uh, singing. Um, you talk about singing. That, that could be, look, if you, need, if, you, you know, if you don't know what to do, come here. We'll give you a, a hymnal. Come, come to the church. Let me know you need one. I'll give you one. It's a great truth to be sung in there. Uh, listening to a, a worship song together. You can follow Worship at McGregor Instagram page or like our Worship at McGregor Facebook page. Every week we post the worship set lists. You, yeah. can, you can go back or even prepare on a Friday. Hey, look, this is a song we're singing Sunday in church. That's a great Let's idea. Let's listen to this together as a family. Sing, pray, find scripture that goes with it. Maybe that's a simple way to have one of your, your weekend family worship times uh, just in that way. Uh, and then I think anytime you can put scripture to a, a song, take a song that the kids might already know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, and put a verse to it. They're going to memorize it easy. It's gonna, they're going to be able to hide God's word in their heart. So that's it. Read, pray, sing. Those are awesome. And I think that that's a great place where we can go ahead and close this first episode off because I feel like we can break down those read, pray, sing even more and in, in, and look at what that actually looks like in your life and my life. Sure. So we've covered a lot of ground today, and I'm so thankful to have had you in the studio. We've defined family worship as cultivating a devotion to God inside the home. And you have, Ryan, you've pointed us to scripture and shared some of your personal experiences, but I look forward to hearing some more of those. Um, we are concluding today's episode before we enter into another part of this topic. But for now, we want to hear from you, our listeners. What have you learned from today's episode? How has God challenged you and how will you apply what you have learned? You can go ahead and drop whatever you've learned in the comments. You can drop a question as well, wherever you're listening on, on whatever platform. Next episode, we're going to be talking about how every family is different. Some are like me, young, single twenties with roommates. Some are like young families with Ryan and we have empty nesters, single parents, married couples with children, etc. cetera. Uh, and we will catch you on part two of this episode where we will talk about how to practically apply family worship into your own life. To our listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. If you haven't yet connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all of the details. Details. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a comment. Thanks for listening, and remember to talk truth.